Hello there. What you're getting ready to hear was supposed to be the members section of the show this week, but we were really happy with the conversation, so we decided to put it in the main public episode as well. Thanks. So, Mike. Yep. You are now hashtag no Twitter. Yep. How's that going? Mm. What led to this? I mean, what's my... I mean, do you need need to ask? (laughs) Let me me rephrase that. (laughs) There have been a few things going on with Twitter. Yeah. Have you, uh, uh, what was the final straw? I've been wanting to leave Twitter for like three years, but just haven't been able to do it, right? Because it's kind of like, oh, am I missing too much? And will I uh, be able to do it? Or my friends will still, whatever, you know, like those kinds of things. But it's just like ultimately hasn't been a net positive in my life for a long time. It's just there are good things about it. Uh, but there is the combination of like lots of people being angry all the time about everything, mm-hmm. including things that I do care about and things like I really don't care about. But now I've taken on the anger, you know, and also like it can be a pretty negative place at times. I, I don't really feel like I can contribute to Twitter the way that I used to, you know, like you guys go through this. Federico, I think, embraces it. Um, but it's like any tweet that I send like yeah. that could be the rest of my day. Oh yeah. And so like, and it's literally anything, yes. right? Like anything of any kind of value to anyone will, it will just take over my, my day. And like, but you know, you can, I think like for you two, it makes more sense than it does for me. Right. So like one of the things that led to me doing this, was Casey Newton's awesome essay in platformer. Yeah. Mm-hmm where he was talking about why he is is kind of like stepping back from Twitter except for just like publishing links. And one of the things he said, which like definitely works for you two, I think Federico, you do this more, is like I can post funny things or interesting observations on Twitter. It grows my audience and then I can share the links to my articles and then people read them, right? Mm-hmm. That's just not a thing for me. Like I don't believe at this point in my career, like me posting like, Hey, check out this podcast. And like, it's just like enough people are going to go listen to it. Like, I just don't really think that happens for me anymore. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we got it. <laughs> yeah, we got it, Mike. <laughs> you host some podcasts. <laughs> the way you exactly, said it is right. But the way you said it is funny. <laughs> like, I mean, you can, but you can share those links. But you, you, you can post like a link to an article with a screenshot that has yes, an excerpt, yes, right? Yes, yeah. I was like, yeah. what, you know, and if I, all right, I could post an excerpt, of what, but like, I don't really think at this point that I can have much of a meaningful impact on my work by posting tweets anymore, right? So like all that kind of stuff has been going on with me for years, plus it's just like not really being a fun place in a bunch of ways. And now it's kind of like a combination of a lot of people that I like to follow, are leaving Twitter. A lot of people whose like opinions I respect are leaving Twitter. And it's just like keeps bubbling around in my brain. And the service is just going in ways that I just mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense to me. Or like it's just really annoying to me. Or just fundamentally opposed to the like what I fundamentally believe in, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, whatever. Like for me, it's not it's not the Elon thing specifically. Like I understand that people are leaving Twitter because of what he's saying. I think he's set, a lot of the things he's saying is just stuff that he's saying to get people to tweet at him. I don't care what he believes, like, really. Like, it doesn't make a difference to me if he's a Republican 
or if he's a Democrat, like, I don't care about that. Um, because people could be that stuff secretly and what difference does it make? But it's the actions that they portray that bother me most. And I think his actions are just really bad. And so I, I just, you know, that is like, but it's not the reason. It's just a reason. Like all of these things together built up to me wanting to leave. Like I don't really feel like I get as much out of it as I used to. I don't really feel like it's much of a benefit to me professionally anymore. Plus the service is going in a bunch of terrible ways. And the owner of the, the company, I don't think is doing a very good job. And I, I don't isn't really somebody who I want to support by you know like so like one of the things that annoys me right like and look this is just me obviously if you're not in my situation maybe this isn't going to annoy you whatever right we are all people who ha are verified on Twitter right for whatever reasons we were verified we were verified <laughs> notable or not <laughs> yeah, notable or not and like people fought, like to follow us on Twitter we all have pretty large followings right so like in theory we are good for Twitter right because People want to follow us, so they go to Twitter to see what people have to say. We're verified because, and I think that's important in a way to be like, I am actually this person, which is me, right? And that's the same for you guys, right? We all have online businesses. I think it's important that if we're on a service like this and we're contributing to it, there is an importance in being like, yes, we're verified. And I think that that is a system that should be available to everyone, that you can actually verify yourself, and, and and whatever, but the new verification system isn't that, right? It's just like, give us some money and have a phone number. They're going to get rid of our verification and he wants us to give him money to get it back. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to do mm -hmm. that. Yep. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Because this is not what, that's not the deal here, right? Like, you're not going to extort me. And so, th again, these are, I have like a ton of reasons, but ultimately, like, I don't really like Twitter and I was kind of just addicted to it. So... It's time to get rid of it. So it's, I'm, I'm gone. I'm done. I've signed out everywhere. I'm done. Yeah, might as well uh, be the time for me to share that uh, I, I think I'm doing the same. Like I, I hell yeah, join the club, baby. Come on, let's do it. But unlike unlike you, um, I am going to use Mastodon, um, which I think yeah, yeah, is yeah. not something you're interested in. And I think it no. goes back to what you were saying. Like I think it's really beneficial to the type of work that I do. You know, making text, and I think text lends itself very well to screenshots. Just sharing that. So you're not even gonna have like a bot if you do this. Like you're not like like a, a bot that just posts to your account on Twitter. See. See, the thing for me is um, I really don't feel like uh, I want to contribute anything, not even my yeah. links, to, a, to uh, an, a, a platform, a service owned by someone who sympathizes with Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I really don't want to... See, this is where I'm at right now. I've been thinking about this for the past few days. I haven't tweeted for the past few days. Uh, I've been talking about it with John because it's obviously like also a decision that affects our business. And we are working on some other things that should be done soon. But um, the thing is, I don't really want to contribute content for free to this platform anymore. I am sorry if people who disagree with me and are still using Twitter will be missing my tweets and my links and my stuff. I'll be on other places. I have a, I have a site. I have a Mastodon account. Uh, I guess I'll use Instagram more. There's ways, and, and we have Discord, right? There's ways for people to get in touch with me and to follow me. But the thing is, mm -hmm. I think it's gross to contribute content to Twitter at the moment. And I think, if anything, it's becoming a liability, um, mm -hmm. at least for me. You know, I, I don't want to take, I don't want to, I don't want to give him any more of my content, any more of my 
typing characters in a text box every day. It's gross. And the, the tipping point for me was like reinstating a bunch of accounts that I had no reason to be given a platform in, on the modern web mm-hmm. um, for common decency reasons. Yeah, like I saw Kara Swisher saying about this, which is like she kind of turned my thinking on it of like, it's like he believes what he believes, whatever it is, we actually don't know. But what he's going for is mm-hmm. like Fox News. He's trying to turn to a yeah. to Fox News. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't want to He wants part. all these people on the platform to do this stuff to rile everyone up all the time because it's engagement. Yeah. And like this is the thing that I've felt like Twitter, the algorithm has been doing for years, right? Which is like whether uh, purposefully or not, the more angry people are, yes. the better it is for the service. And I think he knows this and is now trying to manufacture it as well. And it's like, this is the exact opposite of what I want to be a part of. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be part of that. Uh, if anything, uh, in, in modern years, you know me, we've been talking about this. Uh, I have uh, always have been and always will be a fan of the open web. There are elements of Mastodon that appeal to me more so about the underlying tech that the Mastodon service itself and the underlying tech activity pub and all that kind of stuff, web push for notifications, like all of that are technologies that we are looking into for the future of Mac stories. But really... I don't want to be part of that platform anymore. And to all the people who are going to say, so what, you hate free speech? Which is a silly question, but, you know, let's play that argument You know what, then? Yeah, I hate free speech. <laughs> you know what I mean? If that's what no, it takes. You know, you, you, see, yeah. you see what the problem is. The peop- those people, they think that free speech is like a, a one-way street. And the thing is, free speech cuts both ways. Because, yes, you are, you are free and entitled to your opinions, even though they are, you know, there's a fine difference between an opinion and something stupid that you can be, you know, prosecuted for, but that's a different conversation. You are entitled to share those things because of free speech. I am entitled to not listen to you. And that's free speech. Freedom of speech is not freedom of consequences. Yes. If you say something or do something or enact a policy, if you're if you're running a social network that has consequences, like that's, those are two different things. Uh, so anyways, I don't want to get like too like freshman college dorm room philosophical about that. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about sort of the logistics of it. So what I've, what I'm doing right now, I pulled the plug about three weeks ago is I'm still yeah, signed in so long ago. I'd forgotten, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Oh yeah, that guy, <laughs> I am still signed into Tweetbot with my show accounts and the network account. So I can check our mentions, I think I will continue to do that for a while because uh, our audience is still there, at least some of them are. Um, although I opened Tweetbot on my laptop uh, actually last night for preparation of the show. I was gonna, I, the night before the show, I go through our mentions and see if there's any follow-up or feedback I want to grab. And that was still signed into my personal account. It's the first time I've seen my timeline in a while. And I was shocked at how quiet it was. Yeah, There were big gaps in time that used to never be there. I don't even follow that many people. It's about 500 people uh, compared to some who follow thousands. And it was it was sort of surprising to see how quiet it was. Uh, but I'm curious, it, it, you guys leaving, it is still partially like a business thing. I mean, Federico, you said you may not even put your links there anymore. Like, what are y'all's plans? With And I, I reserve the right, obviously, we all do, that this could change. But how are you thinking about that right now in terms of balancing personal use and like what the shows need? I think for now, um, 
I'm pulling the plug on everything on my account. And I think we're still deciding what we want to do in terms of the bot that automatically pushes our new uh, posts from MacStories.net to the Twitter account for MacStories. We're still deciding what to do there. But otherwise, we are going all in on Mastodon for now. And uh, we're setting up a few things uh, to... You know me, I like to control my stuff. And uh, it's it's not ready yet, but you'll see. But yes, we are going all in on that in the meantime. Just because I fundamentally believe in the format, I think it's useful for us to have this type of platform, right? Where you can post status updates and people can reply and can bookmark them and can click links. I think it's useful for us. And otherwise... Um Nothing else, really. Um, we're gonna use. We have RSS. We have Discord. We're gonna use Mastodon. We're getting great engagement there. Like this is why I started this experiment a few weeks back, and I have noticed, especially in the past couple of weeks, that I'm getting a lot more just uh, conversations going and interactions on Mastodon than on Twitter, uh, and that's because our community, I think, has progressively moved from Twitter to other instances on Mastodon. I don't know if it's necessarily the future maybe for what we do definitely not for the public at large i think it, we're gonna get a it's gonna be weird for a couple of years uh in terms of like what's the next twitter um assuming that you know things continue to evolve down this path for twitter it's too soon to tell at the moment, like, will we ever come back to twitter if say twitter changes hands let's say that automatic acquires Twitter because Elon gets bored and he's like, well, I don't know, I want to sell it now. And a really reputable company acquires Twitter and is committed to making Twitter healthy again. I don't know what can happen. I cannot make predictions, which is why I'm not deleting my account. But yeah, in the meantime, um, you will not find us there. And if you want to find us someplace else, subscribe to RSS or find us on Mastodon. That's the strategy. Uh, I would prefer to just not look at all. Um, I'm going to, for the time being, check some stuff, maybe for, like you say, check show accounts or whatever. But it's easy to get sucked in. Uh, I, we're hopefully, we're trying also to work on something to collect short follow-up in a new way. And I think maybe the only account that I will post anything from is the Cortex account, like when there's new episodes. I don't even. I don't know if I might just set up a bot to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna all of my show accounts that have like bots that post them, and just, just gonna keep those going. Uh, I think Jason will if, will probably keep tweeting from the upgrade account because he's been doing that now since he took over the posting of the show. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't I don't have like a big plan there. To be honest, I hadn't even really thought about like checking for follow up on Twitter. Like, I just but I guess I probably might want to do that. To be honest, we get a lot of it in the Discord now, which is great. And I'm working on ways. We're working on ways to try and make mm-hmm. more like free and open, easy ways to send yeah. us short stuff. Because what I don't want is a uh, hundred emails a week now from from for follow up. Like, I don't want that. That would may much. Ter- that'd be a terrible impact on my life yeah yeah we're looking at some ways on the website to make basically private comments on that you can tie to an episode so you hit a button fill out a little form we get it and then can deal with it as regular feedback so for me like my shows 512 relay they're all still basically auto tweeting um i also set up relay and 512 on mastodon through Zapier, there's not a lot of great integrations into Mastodon currently. You can use webhooks, so I just wrote a little thing 
Like, look at the RSS feed and then post the title and the link. I've got a personal Mastodon account, and I've poked at it a couple of times, and I don't think I'm going to be using it very much. Um, I could see it using for, like, a couple of big announcements a year. Like, hey, I have a Kickstarter, or the St. Jude fundraiser is starting. But in terms of day-to-day, like, the only things I'm, I'm signed into in the Ivory beta are... 512 and relay again just so i can check the mentions and see if you know we have a typo or there's some sort of problem or or that sort of thing Mm -hmm. i do not plan on bringing my shows over to have like individual mastodon accounts i think that day is is not not going i don't think that's going to happen i don't think it makes much sense but um my overall feeling is that my days on like social media are basically over like i've done this with Twitter. I still have my account for the same reason Federico does. Like I'm not going to close it down, but it's just going to be there. I deleted all the tweets and just have two tweets explaining that why I'm not there, you know, that I'm not there anymore. And then, uh, that's, that's about it. And the last few weeks without it have been both a lot harder than I expected, mm-hmm. but also a lot better. Like, I don't, the first couple of days were really weird. I, like a lot of people, use Twitter to fill in the little gaps, you know, <laughs> in, in my days. And without it, it feels a bit weird. But now, a few weeks into it, I'm I'm really at a point where I honestly don't miss it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we are, I think in conclusion, we can say that we are fortunate enough to be able to say that if you are part of the audience, you can find us where we work. Like the the work is where you can find us. I was pretty proud of my tweet, by the way. the The main reason I did it yesterday is I had like the tweet. The end of the tweet of me like just saying like I'm gone now is you can find me wherever you find your podcasts. Like yes, which is that line that's used forever. And that's true. But like that is part of it for me, right? Yeah. If because I noticed this for a long time. If I say hey, I've got this thing, come check it out and put it on Twitter. And I get a response, you know. But if I talk about it on a show, it's much larger because this is where my audience is. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. they listen to my shows. And, like, so why do I... I don't want to keep wasting my time anymore on mm-hmm. on something that I don't enjoy. Like, yep. and that I don't even think I can give people a benefit for anymore. There isn't any benefit to following me on Twitter. You don't get anything from me. <laughs> like, so just listen to my shows instead and that's the best you're going to get. Yeah, and and we're way past the point in sort of our collective careers because, I mean, our careers are all intimately linked with each other. We're at a point now where, like, uh, those early relationships, like those early things that, honestly, we benefited from being kind of the right time at the right place, like, that's yeah. completely gone from Twitter. And it's actually been gone for a long time. But yes. now it's very evident and visible that it's gone. I think, I think I'll, I'll just speak for me. I think I've been in denial about this day of Twitter probably for years, probably mm-hmm. since 2016 or so. And mm-hmm. it's been yeah. just the avalanche of disasters that have struck it since Elon bought it that sort of sealed it for me. But I think if I was really honest, this has been something that I've needed to do for a long time. And mm-hmm. and I get it. Like, it's not – everyone's different on this, right? Like, we talked about it on MPU that comes out on Sunday – and like we all have different emotions about these websites and that's fine like if you're if you want to stay like i'm not here to pass judgment on you hopefully you're not passing judgment on us for leaving like i know for a lot of people twitter is is to them what it used to be to us like it's a place to have your work discovered and 
and hear diverse voices and have your voice be heard. Like, I get all that, and, and all that stuff is good and important. But just for where I think we are as individuals, it doesn't make sense anymore. And mm-hmm. I would just hope for some, like, grace in all of that is because we all have to figure this out because it's been a big yep. part of our lives all for a long time. For I mean, you know, like, one of the things that's complicated for me emotionally is I genuinely owe my entire career to Twitter. Like, the people that I met, like you guys... And being able to kind of get my work out back in the day when like tech podcasting was new and people would pay attention and that kind of stuff, right? Like that, like, oh, there's new podcasts or such and such persons on this show. Like, and it helped me build up the network that I have now. And so, like, it's like a really weird thing to let go of it, but it just isn't for me the same anymore. And you may be out there having the exact same experience, but it's just different for me. It's Steven said, we're all different people and we've come from different places. And like, that's what I, you know, it's a really great way of like what, my thing about Mastodon, right? Like I understand that people are having a great time on Mastodon right now. And I see like the spectrum in what you two are doing, right? Where Steven, you are going to use it every now and again. And Federico, you want to go ham on it. Like, and I recommend people do whatever they want. For me personally, like I just want to try to live a life where this kind of social media is completely 100% gone yeah. and see what mm-hmm. that's like. So I have no intention of joining any service. Mm-hmm. I may in the future. Hell, I might even come back to Twitter in a year. Like I, I don't know. I just yeah. know where I am right now, which is like, yeah. I don't want, I want to, I have lived since 2014 or whatever right like earlier than that was it 2000 and when did we join twitter like i when joined was in 07 right, so in, i joined in 07 over here yeah and i know i took it some time away so let's say like the last 12 years this has been a part of my life every single day and i want to try not that and see what mm-hmm. that's about you know mm-hmm. one i think element to that that's that's important is like is leaving the door open to the future. But the other thing that I think of, and I'm not trying to like ran anybody's Mastodon parade here, but Mastodon has the same inherent risks that Twitter does. But yes, it's federated. So if like a server full of Nazis comes along, you can just defederate them and they're gone. But ultimately every single social media platform ends in this conversation we're having now because of the, business incentives of these companies they promote and craft their apps for engagement and what that really means is argument i mean it is the reason none of us are on facebook right like Mm -hmm. uh facebook did this and you know maybe potentially damaged democracy forever and twitter is has this alignment as well now with mastodon you know, yeah, like you can be a Patreon and like back the server and stuff. But ultimately, if it reaches a critical mass, which I would argue it has not, then it is going to eventually have these issues. And maybe it's not because it's ad driven. Maybe it's just because you have so many people there. And it's inevitable when you have that many people in a room that things will happen. I just, I've been on the internet too long to be super hopeful that Macedon can be like the one savior of social media. And again, I'm not trying to know anybody's parade. I'm just not very optimistic about it, that it's going to be something that really takes off in a way and then doesn't lead to this down the road because it always leads to this down the road. Yeah. I feel like the technological aspect is interesting in that. Like it, 
as long as it's all open source, it's like basically a different spin on RSS, which is why I think we are looking into it. Um, not just in terms of like, oh, we really need to have a Twitter replacement, but because the the foundation behind it we can use in a bunch of different ways in the future. I feel like it's it's fun to be on Mastodon itself right now because it's very reminiscent of early Twitter. You know, when you have basically tech people be early adopters. And it's fun to see like the conversations right now about, you know, you, you join Mastodon and part of the conversation is about Mastodon itself, which is really reminiscent of early days Twitter when everybody was talking about, you know, I remember, for example, when Twitter launched uh, native retweets, <laughs> like they didn't used to be a feature. And now, RT. exactly. And now everybody, like a bunch, well, not everybody, but a lot of people that I follow on Mastodon are talking about whether or not Mastodon should have quote posts, like you can quote tweet on Twitter. And there's like this whole thing, this whole conversation about should we replicate the behavior and the design of, of Twitter for quoting a post by somebody else or not? Like that the entire scene is very reminiscent of that era of like 2010 Twitter. Otherwise, I just feel like I want to I want to keep having this sort of avenue in terms of like uh, I can have a stream of short posts where I can share quick things about my work or a picture of something I'm listening to or a photo of my dog or a stupid thing I just thought of. I think it's a, f I think for me it's a fun thing to have in my life. But given the kind of person I've become and given my line of work, I think it's actually preferable if I use something like Mastodon where I own my content and I can spin up my own server and I fully control the thing with the technology that in the future I can reuse to my advantage in a future version of Mac Stories. Essentially, and I mean, we've been talking about this in the open. It's no secret. I think one of the things we are considering for the, the future of Mac stories is having the ability to more quickly and easily share a work-related short posts, mm -hmm. you know, that can be on my website, but that can also be shared to other channels. And right now, the design of Mac Stories doesn't really lend itself well to that type of status update. Uh, I mean, I could, like, I could write a post that it's like 50 words and be like, iOS 17 beta 2 is out, but it will look stupid <laughs> on the front page. Yeah, of I've got the same problem. Well, you and I have talked about this. <laughs> like, 512's design also doesn't work for that. We've talked about this. So what we're saying is The Verge was right. Yes, actually. I think their redesign is super smart. I love their website so much <laughs> and they would they I, I don't know how they did it but they hit on that short post thing just you like that story I disagree that have, right? with I disagree with the fact that they have comments on there Yeah but they're way bigger than we but are But good call but yeah. good call on the short posts like that that's uh you got to hand it to them it was yeah. a great idea, great especially idea. especially given how things have gone with Twitter. So, and I think Nilai is also gone from Twitter, by the way. Yeah, he was one of the. It was like Nilai and Casey Newton both leave in on the same day. It like really put something in my brain, and I I was just like, these are two people who I really look up to and really respect, and. You know, I've been following both of their thought processes, like on the Vergecast and on and in Platformer, and it was just like, 
I kind of couldn't, I couldn't argue, with, I cannot argue with any of the things that they're saying. And so it was just like, if I can't make an argument, then why, why am I still here? Uh, I'm looking for cool RSS feeds. Uh, if people have cool RSS feeds, send them to me. How are you going to send them to me? Well, that's for you to work very, out. You know what I mean? Very early 2000s energy from Mike over well, here. I, Lo- I'm yeah. Looking for cool blogs. I really am looking for the cool blogs. Like, I... <laughs> It's kind of funny, really, because uh, a couple of episodes ago on Cortex, Gray said this, and I you made fun of him. You were making fun of Gray. You you were making fun of Gray with me, like. And now <laughs> I I now want the cool blogs. I mean, because if you think about it, really, Gray was ahead of all of us, right? Well, he, yeah, he embraced this a long yes. time ago. Uh, I want some cool blogs. So if you can send me the cool blogs, because really, it's like I need to make sure that I'm keeping up to date with tech news and apple news and opinions on it like the news part following the news part no problem right mac stories mac rumors nine to five mac i'm all good right like i've got it covered but what i'm not getting there or what i worry i won't get there is like the little interesting things that people say on twitter you know what i mean so uh, that's i don't know if it's an issue for me to miss it i don't know if i'm gonna miss it i'll find out but you know if you've got the cool blogs give me the cool blogs I should just export my uh, things from Feedbin and just give it to you. <laughs> I've been working on this. I will, yes, both of you, if you could just maybe screenshot or just give me your OPML, OPML files, that will be good. I'm sending it to you right now because incidentally, I just migrated from Einer Reader to Feedbin again last night and I have my OPML file right Give me the here. OPML I, files, although I'm worried uh, that I'm accidentally going to add them in to my feeds but uh, i can just deal with that i'm sending it here and then i can do whatever i, got I it. want just, okay here you go thank you uh, i know reader feeds there it's an xml file but it's structured um, for what you need yeah thank you oh sorry it was me <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I'm never ready for this. It happens like once every three weeks and then I was away for a long time. I don't know. All right. From Relay FM, this is Connected episode 428. Today's show is brought to you by Trade Coffee, Capital One, and Bombus. My name is Mike Hurley and I'm joined by Federico Vatici. Hello, Mike. I can I know it's really you if you're not on Twitter anymore? It's a very good point. It's a very good point. Do I have to like... What is that thing? Like that, how, that, do you, that how do you verify... Yeah. How do you verify yourself on a podcast? I think you can. The AI is coming for us. They're going to pretend to be me, and then no one's ever going to know. Mm. But do you remember that thing? People be like, they post like a, a, a like a code in their in their bio, and then that somehow verified them. I need to do one of those. I basically at the start of every episode, I'm going to give you half of an encryption key. Yeah. Hashtag code in bio. Hey, you haven't been introduced yet. Hold on, you didn't, Steven. Yeah, you got to wait. So yeah, that's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to give... Uh, at the beginning of every episode, I will start with a series of 16 numbers. All the listeners will have the other 16 numbers. And if oh they match, God. then it's me. This is like uh, this is like when you send an email with that fancy system. like The, the PGP P- What's key. it called? Oh, PGP key? Yeah, yeah, it's like... Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, it's also my pleasure to introduce our other co-host, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hello, boys. Yes. Hi. How are you? I am good. It's pouring down rain outside, which is would be more fun, but it's rained every day for the last like 10 days, and I'm kind of over it. Uh, we have some real-time 
is it follow up? How can we have real time follow up if we've just started the show? <laughs> like, what are we following up to? Well, well, it's pre follow up in okay. the sense that before we talk, we talk about the topic one that we have in the document, which is about iOS sixteen point two. So this is like I am having a sort of a topic preamble. Essentially, um, iOS sixteen point three beta one is coming today. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow! <laughs> Ten days yeah. before Christmas, <laughs> Apple has no yeah. chill. <laughs> what could it have in it that it needs to be a whole new point release? Stage manager changes, baby. No, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I why really can't it know. be sixteen point two point one? Why is it Apple Music Classical? Come on. Oh, no? I guess could. I mean, it could. I mean, it could. Man, they just got us. They're just doing so much over there. So let's talk about sixteen point two, which is a huge release, right? Like so much stuff in iOS sixteen point two. I read uh, your article, Federico, on uh, Stage Manager. I oh, thank uh, you. It kind of feels like what I took away from it, high level, is the concept of Stage Manager good, implementation still bad. <laughs> yes, that's, that's <laughs> the. <laughs> The, the the takeaway from the story, yes, it's uh, it's that. I mean, Windows on an, on an external display, great. I'm using them right now. I'm looking at them right now. Great idea. Um, makes your iPad feel like a proper like uh, like computer that you can now plug into a display and have uh, additional Windows on the display. Implementation is still bad. Like, and it's especially silly. Um, how you know we were talking about the problems of stage manager before on the iPads display and how stage manager sort of forces you to have these preset sizes and he rearranges windows for you and let me tell you those uh, choices are even more apparent when you plug it into a 5k display mm-hmm. and you end up be, uh, like you have two windows on screen and you want to place them for whatever reason because maybe you just like them and you want to place one on the left and one all the way to the right and this and stage manager doesn't let you well that just that just feels silly when you're using an external display because you have the space right like there's so much space you don't need the system to arrange it for you Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and, and then there's also the, the performance issues. Like, I have been using this setup for the past two weeks and I really love it ever since I went all in with the, with the Mac Mini and Universal Control. I really love this system. But I got to be honest, Stage Manager crashes at least once a day on my iPad. Like, I'm doing something and at least once a day, everything, I see the black screen with the spinner in the middle and everything resets. Like, that still happens. Uh, it appears that iOS 16.3 beta 1 is out, as I am talking right now. But yeah, uh, we'll, see, we'll see what Apple has in store for Stage Manager. But, other, you know, when it comes to external display integration, it's what we got this summer uh, before it was pulled. But now, thankfully, it's in much better shape than before. Like, it's crashing once a day or so for me. Earlier this year, it used to crash like <laughs> every 10 minutes yeah. or so. So it's much better than that. If you tried it months ago and never tried it again, uh, do it. Uh, but otherwise, uh, you know, you don't expect uh, major changes from Stage Manager yet. Something that I took away from your article, which really boggled my mind, and like, I, and I think I've understood it correctly from, from how you put it, uh, in in the piece 
is that there is like a fundamental difference between the way it handles multiple screens to how a Mac handles multiple screens. So like if you have the notes app on the iPad screen and you have like Safari on the, on the external display and you go down to the dock and tap the notes app icon, it puts the notes app on the external display, right? Yes. Yes. Which like, on the Mac, if you have that, it just makes the app active on the screen that it's on. That is wild to me that yeah, it, it, moves it, it does that. Here, it moves it. Yeah, I find that wild. Because it's like, what's the point in having the iPad? Right? Like, like, why even have... Why do they make it that you have to have the iPad screen open to use this if they don't treat the iPad screen as a like the, the main screen? It's like weird to me. It's very weird to me. Yeah, well, they made this decision of the act of clicking an icon means making sure that you see the app. It's it's uh, it's this very conscious decision that they made because it's all it also works the same way for Spotlight. So if you open Spotlight on an external display and you and you select Notes and Notes is actually on the iPad, you're not gonna activate it on the iPad. You're gonna activate it and move it. To the external display. So, like, uh, I think the 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 underlying design decision is on iPad OS. When you click an icon, you need to see the app for it. It's different from the Mac, and yeah, and they've chosen the external display as the the primary display, right? No, not always. What do you mean primary? Well, like if if you click an icon, is it always going to move it to the external display? No, it's always going to move to the most display recently act display you're on. Yes, that's, we- that's weird to me. That's very weird to me. Display display where the pointer. It's like is. sure, I, I, I see that right. Like I see why you made that decision, but I also don't know why. If you'd or if like the decision had already been made on the Mac, like if they did, if this never existed, right? Like if if they if the Mac didn't exist, I would understand why you made this decision. But like it's weird to me that like you make that decision knowing how the other system works and like is fine. <laughs> yeah, interesting. It's just an interesting thing. I was like, ah, oh, I don't think I would like that because it, it moving from the Mac and like moving to the iPad and Mac like frequently it would if I used it this way it would I would break my brain a bit I think I wanted to echo your disappointment for there being no changes to the app strip like because there's no changes on the Mac either they would add more functionality to it right like that you could actually say as I said before like click the icons and like just bring them to the space right and all that but no none of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff but at least it's working mostly and better and they've released all of the things that they said they were going to release and now we can just hope that they will do more of it. We'll see with this beta. I'm optimistic. I choose to be optimistic. This is the energy I'm bringing into this beta. I'm optimistic about it. <laughs> Are we going to find out before the end of this episode, do you think? No, he's recording on his Mac through his iPad. He can't he can't he can't update his iPad anymore live. Exactly. So tech, well, technically I can. I can update this iPad. You just can't see anything for a I while. just can't see anything for a while, but I can also just uh, take this Thunderbolt cable, plug it into the Mac Mini, and that's done. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so I probably will. Yeah. yeah. Although my internet is slow. It says about an hour remaining. I don't think uh, it'll do it in time. 
16.2 and macOS 13.1 also brings with it Freeform, which John had an article about, Jason had an article about. Uh, I'm deep in it for a future MPU episode. And even though these sort of infinite canvas, like sketch, draw, image type apps, they're not, they don't really jive with the way that I work normally. Freeform seems really well done and pretty robust for a 1.0. It's... I I really like what they've done here. I think I think it's interesting that they are combining like you can you can see there's the DNA of notes, there's the DNA of iWork apps in freeform, right? Um you can see all these different influences in the app. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how people use it, how people react to it. Um I, I think Apple when they announced it, they showed off all the col- collaborative use cases where I actually think that there's plenty of sort of single user use cases as well. Like you can just use it for yourself if you want to have like a like a richer take on a mind map, basically, that supports multiple types of input uh, and data. It's still odd. I think Jason wrote about this on Six Colors. It's still odd in that sometimes the gestures, they do one thing and other times they do something else. Like sometimes you want to drag and drop an object and sometimes it works and other times you're duplicating the object. Um, John um, took this deep dive because of course he did. He tried all the file types he could think of and, and tried to drop all these embedded files into a board on Freeform. And most of them, impressively, most of them, they worked with inline previews. Others, they did not. And so maybe Apple has some work to do there. I think it's very fun, though. Um, I, I'd be curious to see how this evolves alongside Notes in the future. Because we have gotten used to Notes getting these annual updates, especially in recent years. You can see Notes reminders really on track for these annual updates. What's going to happen to Freeform? Is it going to be like a one-off? Is it the new clips? Uh, Are we going to get updates every so often? Or is Apple behind Freeform, you know, as much as they are with notes and reminders? I don't know. Do they need to? Probably not. Freeform is one of those apps where I feel like I wish I had a reason to use it, but I'm not sure that I have a reason to use it. Like, I have a couple of things I think I could do with it, but, like, I don't know if I will. Like, one of them was... You know, in, in John's piece, he had a freeform canvas board, whatever they're called, uh, where he was planning out some home automation stuff. And, like, this was the thing that I used my Apple Pencil for in the Notes app to, like, draw out some, like, diagrams when I was buying some stuff for the house. And I would have used freeform for this if it was available. And similarly, for, like, product design kind of stuff, I could imagine using it, right? You could put some images that you've drawn, some things you're bringing in, and create almost like a mood board right kind of thing so maybe i could imagine myself using it for that but i haven't yet and i don't know if i will so but it's a cool application but just my i i wonder who is going to use this a lot like that that's what I'm, I'm wondering about or is it just one of those things that like it demos really well and you can have a fun time in it when you're in it but will you rely on it the same way you rely on notes and reminders like that i just i'm not sure about 
maybe and maybe it's gonna be more like an iWork app that's gonna get a bunch of features every so often without that makes sense too but not like, like n- i don't use pages and numbers every day but when i do i use them and i love them for that and so maybe you're right free form's just part of that for me where like i've played with it and it's fine but i haven't had a real thing to do in it yet so i don't think i've understood mm-hmm. its kind of power but i'm gonna keep it in my mind uh, apple tried to really make it Uh, obvious to me by putting it on my home screen of my iPhone moving all of my apps and widgets to other pages appreciate (laughs) that that was great thank you do you like the icon I kind of love it yes love the icon it's good love the icon yeah it's that kind of like 80s yeah style it reminds me of like that jazz is it called jazz okay purple and yeah Uh, it's like the cups it's called jazz design Mm. so you'll know it when you see it also in these new releases is uh, doing air quotes real-time collaboration uh, where you can share a note with another person or a group of people and you've been able to do that for a long time but it was not real time so like a chunk of text would come in at once or an image would suddenly show up or you would type on top of each other and then your sentences would just get melded somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have played with this. What are y'all's impressions so far of the updated notes collaboration? I feel like it's embarrassed me. It's made a fool out of me. Because, so here's t- things you can do, right? If you open a note on two devices and type, it's like immediately updates. It's incredible. It's like as fast as Google Docs. Today, I was, you know, you know, we all we must all have this. We're like, you know, I'm going to say to my wife, like, can you please install this version of the operating system on your device? All the so time. I can test this out. <laughs> and like, this has been particularly bad right now for reasons we'll get into later on. We're like, everyone needs to be on the same version, which is not normal, but it's happening. And so like, when we were in a note together and writing, and it was like immediate, she was typing, I could see it. And then I said, oh, guys, we're going to try this out. Stephen created a note for the four of us, and it was a disaster. Yeah. And it just didn't work at all. Yeah. It was just like how it used to be, where these big chunks. Now, I reckon someone, one of the four of us, is on the wrong version of an operating system. That's my theory, that someone's no, on the wrong possible. version somewhere. So, I, But like maybe there's something uh, going wrong somewhere. Although. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> that may have been me. Yeah, there you go. See, I knew it. So the, uh, to, 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 to answer Kate's question, yes, the fourth person is OTJ. The Mac Mini. I didn't update the Mac Mini. Does that, but my notes was not open on the Mac Mini. Mm. Does it still matter? Mm. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. But maybe it's better with two people than four people. But like, even me and Stephen were trying it out and it wasn't working. So maybe Stephen's the problem. But I don't know. I've seen great results. And so I think jury's still out on this one. I think, I think that's fair. It's not, it's not fully done. But I, I like that they're doing stuff with this. Also, was this... I mean, was this talked about in advance? Like, I think it just showed up. No, I don't think it was. I think they did it and nobody knew about it because no one looked. And now some developers are talking about it. I would like it to be a reasonable replacement for something like Google Docs. I really like using Google Docs for the shows. And I honestly don't want to use notes. But for other things, I think it'd be, it'd be great if it were better because... It was so frustrating to use before, right? Where you would have those collisions and like delays and, you know, you get the sidebar and you kind of see what people are doing. And there's actually a really nice feature in, I think the notes is better than Google Docs. Like right now in our Google Docs, like we all have our own color uh, cursor, right? You can kind of see them in the document. Uh, like there's a purple one up here. There's a pink one down here. 
and notes recreates that but it also has the little face of the person over it and if you mouse over it on the mac at least it expands out to their full name so if you had a note shared with you know more than just one person you could see where everybody is and what they're doing and i think their implementation of it's a little bit better polished than google docs but uh, i think they still have some work to do here uh, but hopefully it continues to get better so me and federico are in a note right now mm-hmm. and it seems to be working much better so i think steven's the problem no, I'm on 13.1. Everything's up to date. I have advanced data protection on. <laughs> Me and you were trying to do it earlier and it wasn't working. And yeah, maybe you're just too encrypted. But like I can see Federico, he's like moving things up and down and it's happening what in what looks like real time to me. So Fed- Steven's the problem. We've worked that out. Yeah. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Trade Coffee. If you've been getting your coffee from the grocery store and drinking the same coffee every day, it's time to try something even better with Trade Coffee. It's so easy to get fresh roast delivered to your doorstep from local roasters around the country with Trade. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you're going to love fresh to your home, and on your preferred schedule. Whether you already know what you like or you're new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. Mike, tell me about your experience with Trade Coffee. My experience with Trade Coffee is great. Every single bag that I have gotten from them is amazing. It's like they completely understood what I liked in coffee and they sent it to me every time. And because they work with a bunch of really awesome, really cool uh, roasters, I get loads of great looking bags. I really enjoy the design of coffee bags. Like coffee packaging can just be really cool looking and very stylish and just look good on your kitchen counter. And Trade does a good job of finding those for me too. So win, win, win. Trade Coffee is the perfect gift for loved ones. They make it easy with their digital gifting options for last-minute shoppers or their coffee and equipment bundles for something under the tree. Treat yourself or the coffee lover in your life with Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off a subscription and access to limited-time holiday specials. You want to go to drinktrade.com connected. That's D-R-I-N-K-T-R-A-D-E drinktrade.com slash connected for $30 off. Our thanks to Trade Coffee for their support of the show and Relay FM. So you're too encrypted is the problem. I'm totes encrypted, baby. So I set up the advanced data protection uh, last night on my devices. You have to have everything up to date with 16.2 or macOS 13.1, watchOS 9.2. So when you go to do this, it's in the main iCloud settings screen and settings on the Mac and everywhere else, not in the password security subsection of iCloud where you think it would be. In fact, I thought I didn't have access to it for some reason until I looked up a K-Base article telling me how to do it. Uh, so it will tell you what devices are logged in with your Apple ID that are not up to date. So mine, I had to wait on like one of my two HomePod minis in my office. <laughs> like It just took a long time for one of them to come back after the update but eventually was able to do it. Uh, You might also find a hilarious number of old devices signed into your Apple ID account. Uh, I think John and I both had that experience yesterday. You two are very like the type of person that would have that. You especially. 
I don't know what that means. What does that mean? That you have lots of old devices around. Are you not that kind of person? I was signed into a Performa with my iCloud account. <laughs> Dealt with all that, got everything up to date, enabled it on my account. So I did, I did a few things. Uh, I made sure that my legacy contacts, so if I kick it, other people can get into my iCloud account. I made sure that was all set up the way I wanted, and it was. I set up a couple people as my regular recovery contacts. So if I'm locked out, you know, they can go to, I'm not going to say who, but a couple of people and get, get access. I can get access that way. Uh, I then enabled the fancy 28-digit di- recovery key. The way that that works, and I did all this on the Mac, but the, from reading through Apple's documentation, it's the same process everywhere. You say, okay, I want to create this. You authenticate. It then shows you the 28-digit key. You have an option to print it. Uh, so I, I printed it, and it's in a safe place. Where, where, where is it? Tell me where is it. It's in a safe place. Come on, tell us where. Is it in one parcel? Come on, you, tell us where it is. It? is it physical? Come on, come it's on. It's under Federico's mattress right now. Did you go physical or digital? Just answer that. Both. Ooh. Oh. Oh, you know, Federico, you know he's got like a safe inside of one of those Macs or something, you know? Yeah, he's got a safe thing going, yeah. You know how uh, how sometimes you, like in a movie, they go into a library and like one of the books is hollowed out and there's a gun in it? Oh my God. It's like that, but computers and pass keys. <laughs> Wait, you've got a gun in the in No, there's no guns. Right? No okay. guns. I do not own a gun. You said it. It was an example. So did all that. You, yeah, you then type sure. in the recovery key. You can't paste into the window. I tried because I'm lazy. Typed it in, and then I was able to turn on advanced data protection. It walks you through that. It makes really sure that you know what you're doing. Wait, wait, wait. I want to go back a couple of steps there. So I want to make sure I understand. So you get the recovery key. They make you type it back? Yes. That is incredibly good design. It is good. Right, because it means you have to have written it down. Yes. Or printed it off or put it so like, you have to have done that. Yeah. Because you can't just be like, I'll oh, copy paste, like whatever. Like I think that's very smart. I, I had the same thought process. Like this is well thought through. Yeah, that's really good. So did that's all that really and then was able to turn on advanced data protection. Using all my stuff last night and today, I cannot tell a difference. Like <laughs> everything works just the way it did. Photo syncs just as fast as it always did. Maybe that's why notes are slow. I don't know. Yeah. Can you imagine? So I did all this. It is. Yeah, that'd be incredible. <laughs> so I did all of this. It was great. I thought, okay, I'm going to do Mary's as well. So I, I went through the same process, her legacy contacts, her recovery contacts. Everything was good. When I went to generate the 28-digit recovery key and then re-enter it, her Mac told me repeatedly that the key was incorrect and it would not let me move forward in actually setting the key. So it doesn't turn the key on, for lack of a better phrase, until you manually say this is what the key is, which again, is smart design. Mm. Tried a couple different times, didn't work. I then, I'm like, well, you know, I don't know what's going on. So I grabbed my laptop, I'm going to do some Googling, and I have like three emails from people saying, hey, are you seeing this error? I'm getting this error when trying to do this. So I don't know if iCloud or something like too many people were trying to do it or what the deal is. I have not tried again on her account. But if you are seeing where you re-enter the 28-digit recovery key and you know that it's correct, I mean, I like painfully, like out loud, was like capital P, capital P, you know, one, 
one. You know, spelled it is all that, out. Is that your key? Is that how it starts? It's PP11. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was weird. It? Mine is actually was just, yeah, it's just three. Just repeated over and over. Uh-huh. PP11. Uh, so I don't know what the deal is with that. Uh, I'm going to try hers again probably this this weekend. Everything's up to date on her account. It's just that this fails and I, I'm not able to move forward from that. So seems a little, little weird. Definitely scared me a little bit. I was like, for a second, I was like, oh, no. Like, did I just set a recovery oh, yeah. key on her account that I don't know? Like, Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's when uh, my ears get hot. Mm-hmm. I do those kinds of things, and like then my ears get warm. You're like, oh no, I've done something that cannot be undone. But it doesn't. It doesn't set the key. I have demo- I've said something should happen. I'm yeah, but it doesn't set the key until you manually re-enter it. So I don't know what the deal is. Um, so yeah, I've got turned on, and I think if you're in the U.S. or in a country where this rolls out in the future, it's definitely worth looking at. I wanted the additional security. I'm capable of managing the recovery key, and you know, having my legacy contacts and everything all done. So you got to jump through some hoops with it, but I think it's well worth it. And uh, so far, so good, at least on my account. And I'll, I'll follow up with Mary's. Like I said, I'm going to try hers again this weekend, I think. Uh, talking about updating every device, uh, the new home architecture. So the new home app, it has a new architecture. What does it do? Unclear exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Performance improvements. I was like, I was thinking to myself, hmm, my home feels snappier. Right? It was just what I was imagining. Uh and it has more support for matter, but it also kind of did. It's like what that exactly means. It's not entirely uh, clear, but it's like you want it, right? Like, but they make it complicated. Like every device has to be updated, and everyone's not just yours, everybody's devices, and across multiple homes. So like, I have HomeKit stuff at the studio and HomeKit stuff at home. Do you, do you have Do you have two homes set up in in HomeKit then? If I wanted to update my home, it's like, oh, you've also got to do stuff at the studio because otherwise none of that's going to work anymore. It's basically what it tells me. And it's like, okay. So, like, it's doing something on your phone. I think it's the matter stuff is like making the phone the matter controller. Um, so, like, a lot of things need to be done. And I'm wondering if I should wait a bit because, like, I've still got devices that I haven't plugged in to, after moving. Like, we've not plugged in our home pods yet. And like, so I figure I should probably do that and update them before I do this. Now, I'm sure I could just turn them on and update them to 16.2 and it will work. But it's also a bit like, ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. Because like, today I finished updating all of my devices. So all of my devices are done because it gives you a little list. It tells you like this Mac and this watch, you've got to do them. So I did them. And then like, oh, by the way, these people, so I could just did it. All of their stuff's got to be done or it's not going to work for them either. It's like, whoa, geez, okay. So it's... Pretty extensive, which I think is at the moment why it's quite hard to find in the home app where to do this. Because I think they don't want yeah, people doing it's, this. it's buried. Yeah, you have to go into the settings inside of the home app and go software update. I figured I'd open the home app and get one of those splash screens. Like, hey, new architecture, hit this button. But yeah, it's, it's a bit buried. I did it. It took about 30 seconds. Again, I can tell no difference. I did have the ear warming... I really like that as a phrase. The ear warming moment where I hit the button on my phone and I was like, oh no, I run Homebridge. My Homebridge stuff is fine. Like it still all works. Okay. For now. No, it's fine. Sometimes it explodes. Like once every nine months, you have to rebuild your Homebridge from scratch. I don't see what the big problem is. Windows users do it. <laughs> you know. 
Uh, so yeah, I've, I've done it. it. Apple is very unclear about what it does or, you know, anything like that. But, uh, but yeah, I'm upgraded. So I'm, I'm on that new home architecture, whatever that means. I'm sure it will be helpful in the future. It will be helpful in the future. I, I think that they're going to wait for a while before pushing that screen. Because I saw that screen in a beta. Like, I opened the home app during a beta oh, and did showed you? me that screen. Yeah. But Okay. And it's the screen that you get when you go into the software update thing. So, But I think now they're like, well, this is really complicated. So they're just not going to show it to people for a while. Maybe they'll wait until like the majority of your devices are already done. And then it will tell you, hey, do you want to do this? Rather than like making people jump through all these hoops just to, to make this update. Yeah, I still got to do it. I'm staring at the screen now. It says upgrade all homes because I also have the multi-home home kit setup thing going. Multi-home lifestyle. Yeah, it's, you know, just switch between them whenever I please. Um, this episode of Connected is made possible by Capital One. Have you ever hit a snafu while shopping online? Payment fields giving you a headache? Or has your mobile banking app been down when you needed to use it? Capital One believes everyone deserves better banking. This means easier access to their money and more security. That's why Capital One is investing in machine learning. Machine learning allows Capital One to do things like fight fraud with random forests with models that quickly detect suspicious activity and make it faster to alert federal investigators. And they identify how mobile app outages happen with causal models. Keeping their mobile app up and running doesn't happen by accident. Anomaly detection and incident response help determine why app outages happen so engineers can quickly remedy them. Capital One speeds up online shopping with machine learning at the edge. They make shopping with virtual card numbers smoother and more secure. This technology is based on logistic regression models and running inference in the browser. It identifies payment fields, which helps make using virtual card numbers easier and faster. The potential of machine learning is huge. See how Capital One is using machine learning to create the future of banking. Search machine learning at Capital One. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Was there anything of use in that you can find? I don't know, guys. I don't. I don't see it. <laughs> just, there's nothing in there. Yeah, this is the problem of not being on Twitter because usually I would just have Twitter open right now and we'll be waiting to see like, oh, I found this thing. Right. But <laughs> I saw on the Discord, there's no release notes for the beta yet. Yeah, so. there's no release notes. I searched for Apple Music Classical or just Classic called but like there's nothing i opened the music the music app and there's nothing special about it uh you know besides apple music sing having a splash screen uh i didn't see anything in shortcuts i don't know did you find the epic game store uh no i don't think it's in this version or maybe i gotta maybe i gotta look better maybe next year one maybe next year some, uh, Mark Gurman at Bloomberg is reporting that teams at Apple, uh, various employees, lots of people, have been tasked with opening up big portions of iOS in anticipation of European Union rules that would kind of make this unavoidable. These, there are a few things here. I'll list what they are, and then we can talk about some of the stuff. So some of these things are private APIs, so camera controls, NFC functionality, find my access. Basically, I looked at this as like the things that people make, like hardware that people make, that Apple also makes, that Apple is able to get benefit from, right? So let's change that. Uh, scrapping the browser engine requirements. Currently, every browser on iOS runs the WebKit engine, even if 
they would <laughs> even otherwise. if you're Firefox, <laughs> and, yeah, or even if you're Chrome. And this wasn't yeah. the case before. And then Apple changed that. And, Wait, uh, it was it? No, I think it's always been no, the case. It hasn't always been the case. Federico, can you can you adjudicate? No, never, never. No, never, no, never. And I, okay, there you go. That's two to one. So that idea would change. There is talk about the possibility of iMessage compatibility with other platforms, but Mark Gurman is saying that Apple is going to fight this one tooth and nail, which is interesting because one of the ones that they seem to be preparing for is the possibility of third-party app stores. This could be an iOS 17 feature. Quote, the company is reportedly dedicating a significant amount of resources to this company-wide endeavor. Apple is considering the idea of mandating certain security requirements even if the software is distributed outside of its store and these apps could require verification by apple a process that could carry a fee for developers so this is european union right and mark german right now is saying that he believes that uh, or is under, is under the understanding that apple is currently planning for this to go into effect only in the places that they need it I wanted to see what you two thought about that because I think that if they just start this, I would expect they're just going to go all in. Well, that's that's the hope. I think it, it's such a massive technical undertaking that you might as well do the work and do it everywhere, you know? Um, I think this is obviously it's going to be the story in our community for the next few months probably and into next year. And we've been talking about it for years anyway. <laughs> we've been talking about it for years. I just I just feel like at this time we need to be careful what we wish for is sort of the angle that I've taken on this because there's multiple ways in this in in which this could go in unexpected directions that you know I I just wanted to go through a few scenarios with you guys mm-hmm. the first and obvious one I mean German reported this um Apple could, might as well say, fine, we will do side loading. We will now allow competing app stores to exist. We will now let you download apps from trusted sources. But what if part of that deal is, well, we are bringing our gatekeeper technology to iOS and iPadOS. And I, you know, I suppose they're doing it on both platforms. Uh, we're bringing gatekeeper. But now, if you want to have your app be verified via Gatekeeper, now you got to give us an annual fee that is like this massive verification fee. And Mm -hmm. you know that there could be ways in which Apple could tell you, well, yeah, you can do it, but you got to give us 20% of your revenue every year. Can they do it? Will they do it? They've done it with the um, third-party payment stuff. Do you remember that? It was like in South Korea and it's in other places now. I think it's in the Netherlands too, where you have to do an audit for Apple and give it to them and then they'll take... But the app was still distributed via the App Store. But still, they may just say, if it's on our platform, you owe us 28%. They could say that. And and for as ridiculous as it could be, we'll be like, hey, yes, we're happy. We cannot distribute apps outside of the App Store, but we cannot avoid Apple's fee. And it's like a ridiculous, like they could just say it's 29% just out of spite to make it even more ironic, but they could do it. They could do it. My other, the other scenario that I was imagining, like what you just mentioned, Mike, uh, will this be EU only or will it also extend to the US? If it stays EU only, I could see a problem in which some companies may say, well, 
do we care about distributing apps uh, when most of our users, most of our audience is in the United States anyway? Do we care about this particular change for Europe? Now, Europe is a bigger market for a ton of companies than, say, just South Korea, right? It's, it's a much bigger audience, but still. Or just the Netherlands, right? Like or where just they've been the making Netherlands. these particular changes. But Europe is here. I mean, look, here's my thinking. I don't think they're just going to do USB-C on the iPhone in only Europe. <laughs> um, and so I think it would be a similar thing here. And also, it's like you may as well get ahead of this before the... if Because if this passes in the EU, it's probably inevitably going to pass, depending on the government in America, at least in some form. Because this kind of stuff's been bubbling around in the States for a long time anyway, right? The Monopoly stuff. It has. And so it feels an inevitability. By the way, it's just like, how funny in hindsight is the name Gatekeeper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. If you think about it. Because right? they're called Gatekeepers now. Like, yeah. in, like in all of this EU stuff, they refer to the companies as Gatekeepers. And then, and then <laughs> It's perfect. It's perfect. I have a proposal. Say that we're stuck with Lightning in the US and they switch ports uh, in Europe. That phone could be the iPhone E USB C. It's good. E U. It's good. I feel like you could make a big Apple Buddy in that situation, going the other way uh, too. A re- right? It's a reverse yeah. Apple Buddy. It's sending stuff to America, making bank out of the USB C iPhone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Buddy um, Apple big. The other, uh, I think, the other scenario in which we, I think, this is the the one that's gonna happen, and we gotta prepare ourselves. And it's fine, but just it it, it were it will entail a change of habits and how we think of our phones. You know that if Apple opens up the platform to compete in app stores, you know that we're going to end up in a situation where you have the Meta store and the Epic Game store and the Microsoft store. And you know that all these companies are going to say, well, we're taking these apps uh, off the app store and we're doing our own store. You want Instagram? Go to the, to the Meta store. You want Fortnite? Go to the Epic store and so forth. Now, this has been, this fragmentation of stores, of marketplaces, has been mostly fine on computers and video game consoles. We are used to that now. Yeah, I, I would say that this is a maybe, right? Because Meta don't have their yeah. own Android store. Hmm. No, they don't, but, like, you know. I could see this as a possibility, but, like, I don't think... It, I hear a lot of people talk about this, like, as an inevitability. Mm-hmm. But, like, and if the majority of users are still using the App Store, which they will, you want to be where the majority of users are. You don't want to make it, like, 20 steps to download Instagram. I don't think it's inevitable, but I think it's likely that more and more are going to happen. Definitely. And the Epic Games Store is a perfect example, right? And uh, and Microsoft talked about doing its own Xbox store for mobile games and cloud gaming. But like, I think for gaming, this is fine because it already exists as a thing everywhere, right? So gamers get it. But realistically, you could also see a scenario in which companies like Setup could do, well, now we have a store and you pay a subscription through us and you get a bunch of apps. It also remains to be seen whether the same app can be distributed through multiple stores. Can you be in a situation in a future iPhone where you have the same app on your phone from multiple stores? Like, like is that a, a potential thing that could happen? I don't know. I mean, if we model it on the Mac, yes. Yes. If right? you model it on the Mac, yes. 
It's like. <laughs> but if you think about it on your phone, it's kind of weird, right? Timery. Taylor's version. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. kind of what we get. Yeah, it's it's exactly that. So I think all of this is going to happen and it will require a change of mindset in how we think of our iPhone. It's going to be more like a computer, more like a Mac than a phone, which is ironic because iOS was based on Mac OS X, but still, you know, it's very different from what it is right now. And let me t- let me say, by the way, I am super happy that this is happening. I am here for this chaos going into 2033. I think it's about time that Apple, you know, opens up the... Like, I don't care. You have pride open. You know, let it in. Like, I don't care. Give me all the app stores. Give me all the apps. Give me software using private APIs. It's about time, you know? And it's unfortunate that a government agency had to force Apple's hand here, but I continue to believe that it's absurd at this point that on macOS you can have Gatekeeper and on iOS and iPadOS you cannot. Is it the optimal scenario that the EU had to force Apple to make it happen? No, but the outcome, I kind of like it. I want it. Yeah. I want this. I want all of this. I do too. Uh, Because we all make it work with the Mac, right? Like we just make it work and it's fine. And you don't have to do any of it and you won't have to do any of it and like imagine if the mac app store was really good and had everything in it right like (laughs) it would make everybody's lives easier and so this would be like that where like all of the apps you want they're going to be in the app store and you never have to do anything weird but if you're like us you can go and download the blank store and you can go and sideload this weird app that like adds a bunch of hacks to shortcuts like you can just do that because you want to and you're going to have a great time you know like and so like i'm i want this i'm into it and do you know what i really hope that like like you know in that the the the, the piece from mark Gurman i thought was really interesting saying like there are a bunch of apple employees that are like really mad that they're having to work on this because they feel like it's a distraction you know i kind of understand that to a point of like you're working on a thing and then like oh there's this legislation and da, da, da. but I, I really hope that people can like take a step back and realize that this needs to happen like this has to happen because the monopoly is way too strong Um, of things like like if you don't hear like if you don't hear that idea of like apple demanding audits of people's transactions so they can make sure they get like none of this stuff should be happening it's like it's all gone too far i hope that we get over this hump of them doing it and then apple embrace this and use this as a way to continue making the platform even better, right? That like the competition is good for them and or they make it like so it's really easy for people that care to like do fun stuff like they allow on the Mac and like they, they continue to make tools that people can use whether they distribute inside or outside the app store or maybe they're different and like that they really use this as a way to further this platform. Just I, I hope that there will be enough people inside of the company that take this as an opportunity to pick up a ball and run with it rather than just like be, feel like their heels are being dragged through. Yeah, if they do it, they should own it and they should make it real high quality. You know, they, they should make the, uh, the polished Apple-like iPhone version of what the concept of installing apps from different sources is. Like, don't make, basically what I think we are asking for here is don't make us feel bad for enabling this what what if they bring over the dmg like mount it on the <laughs> desktop and drag the app you have over to drag and Mac? drop it <laughs> <laughs> and then eject it every time you're done it's like we fixed this 
To be fair, we thought, you know, go back a couple of years ago, and we thought, oh, Apple is never going to let you set a default web browser, like a different default browser. And they did it, and it's pretty elegant. I mean, sure, you got to go into settings, but hey, you have a proper setting screen, and every link redirects to the different browser, and it there's a menu that shows you all the options that you have. It's fine. Uh, it's pretty nicely presented. So it's not like you gotta, you know, open a JSON configuration file and and hack something yourself. No, it's 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 got a UI, it's nice, it's pretty easy to do. I hope the same will be true for installing apps from different sources, and maybe there'll be a menu that shows you here's the sources you have apps from. Like it, it can be done nicely. And by German's report, it sounds like this is a company-wide effort. It also sounds like some engineers don't want to do it, and they think it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, you know, it's it's fun to get that perspective. Uh, like, why why do you think it's a waste of time? It's you know, but but you gotta believe that there are some people inside. Apple or like no, our users should also should always install apps from us and not anybody else, which I understand, but still, it's you know this is the world we live in now. You know, competition is good. Turns out, and that idea of embracing it fully is why I hope that they do just do the whole do the damn thing, right? So like it's the big WWDC feature. Because if they do that, they're not just going to make it Europe only, right? If they're going to make it like a big part of WWDC. And like, this is what I'm hoping they're going to do. If they'll do it, I don't know. But I'm trying to put that energy out there. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Bombas. Gift shopping is hard. But Bombas makes it easy with socks, underwear, and t-shirts that feel good and do good. They feel good because they're thoughtfully designed with the softest materials. And they do good... Because for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone in need. Even the pickiest people on your gift list will love Bombas. Everyone wants exceptionally soft and comfortable clothes. I love my Bombas socks, but I really love their mission. This idea that this program that they have where everything you purchase, something gets donated is really cool and really, uh, I think, important to think about around the holidays. Uh, Socks underwear, t-shirts, these things are the three most requested clothing items in homeless shelters. And so they are really meeting a real need. And I I just love it. Their stuff is uh, cozy. It's comfortable. They upgrade your everyday basics. And they really do make the perfect gift for everyone on your list, including yourself. They use premium materials like uh, Pima cotton, ultra soft, never itchy merino wool in their socks and t-shirts and fuzzy Sherpa linings in their slippers. Bombas Holiday Collection puts a modern twist on the traditional festive colors and designs. Think rich purples and greens, geometric snowflake designs, sweater-inspired textures, and retro ski patterns. And with family sets you can match with your family and friends, it makes for a great holiday group photo. So far, Bombas has donated over 75 million items of clothing, Thanks to all of us wearing their comfortable socks and clothes. That's a whole lot of comfort and a whole lot of good in the world. So give the good this holiday season with Bombas. Go to bombas.com connected and use the code connected for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot connected. Bombas.com connected and the code connected for 20% off. Our thanks to Bombas for the support of the show and Relay FM. All right, so speaking about owning things, mm-hmm. we should own the weirdness of this episode. Okay. 
the two things are happening today. One, Federico had a hard out time, which we have now surpassed that time. Yes. So Federico has run away forever. <laughs> Goodbye, Federico. <laughs> no, forever. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. He's just gone for this episode. He'll be back next time, probably. Who knows? Maybe there'll be snakes in the internet. Who knows? But maybe he'll be back. Yeah, he should be back. He, I've, I've taken this down a weirder yeah, route yeah. than it was meant to. <laughs> He's just gone now. All right? He's just gone. Don't worry about it. He had to leave. The pro show today was way longer than we thought it was going to be, and we liked it. And we were talking about something that's probably important, and we should probably address it, right, which is our stance on Twitter, as you've heard. So we decided that the pro show is available for everyone, but we're going to do the the pre-show of the pro show, but we're going to do a pro post-show as well. If you enjoyed the vibe of the pro show, they like that a lot. It's like more relaxed. It's It can be... A uh, different kind of topic. You should sign up for Connected Pro. And this is the final call. You've got just, what, how many more days is it? Three, uh, four three more days. days when this is done? Mm-hmm. So on the 19th, right? So up until the 19th of December. 17th. Today's can, the 14th. You, you, have, you have done such a bad job of this. Why don't you take over then, Mr. Good Job? Federico had to leave. Mm-hmm. The pro, sh- what we thought was going to be the pro oh, show, job. we put in the main show for everybody. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a post show for members this week. If you like that, go to giverelay.com between now and December 17th, three days from now, you can get 20% off an annual membership. But it's also going to be a post show, which yes. you'll only get if you do that. If you're a member. So should we do follow up now? <laughs> iPhone Emergency SOS is now available in more countries. United Kingdom, France, Germany, and Ireland. Michael, will you be testing this by crashing a car? Wait, why have I got to crash a car for? I don't know. Just, you, gotta, you can't fake an emergency. It's got to be a real emergency. I don't want to test car crash detection as well as... Oh, yes, yeah, right. Those are two different things. Yeah. So you going to... things. Oh, great job, Stephen. Are you going to test it by wandering off into the woods? No, I just did the test thing. Did you? How was it? Like, a... Cool, huh? I did it when I was in a studio and it couldn't find a satellite. So I was you got to be outside. <laughs> but I at least got the UI, like whatever, like the, the moving around. It's like, hey, we found the satellite. And like, I'll oh, go outside. And I'm like, I don't want to go outside. So I didn't go outside. So I only tested half of it. But like, I feel like I got enough, right? To like, I just wanted to see what the UI looked like for detecting the satellite. Yeah. And it, I got that far. Um, and so it was pretty cool. Like, I thought it was really interesting. I'm happy that it's there. This is not a thing that I will subscribe to when I need to subscribe to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just, it's not a thing for me, but it's a cool feature that exists. Uh, there was a story a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember if we talked about it or not, but it was like the first example of someone being saved by iPhone emergency SOS. Yeah. I mean, it was going to happen, right? Like, yeah, we already unfortunately had the people who they're like people who died, but the car crash detection thing went off for them, mm-hmm. which was really sad. Uh, and so this was inevitable that it was going to happen at some point. Uh, so it happened in Alaska, which that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you get lost in the great white north. Mm-hmm. Then maybe Canada. Actually, now that I think about it. Also in follow-up, you have continued to use Spark. You spoke a while back about some of the changes to it and how you felt about those. How is it going, uh, you know, uh, a month or two later? Well, okay, so a couple of things have happened. I've gotten more used to it, and they've made improvements. So really the only big work that's, well, not not really, most of the work that has been needed to make Spark work better has been on their Mac app. You know, I mentioned 
they made changes to their iPhone app and there are still a bunch of things I don't like about it, but mostly it's just like the approach and language stuff. Like I still am not used to done phrase instead of archive. Like it still annoys me. But overall, some of the new features are working for me pretty well. So they've added in on the Mac app a dark mode, printing support, and a sidebar. Very happy for that. Still want a column view. Then they say that they're working on it. There, uh, two of their, the two features that they added that I'm enjoying is their sender blocking and the automatic sorting of email. So the sender blocking feature is like someone pops into my inbox, I can block them and never hear from them again. I like this and the email sorting is also good. And what I like about it is it's working across all of my email accounts, no matter what service they are or what service they're not. So I like that it's doing this and it just, it's, you know, it, it is a true unified inbox in that sense. Um, so that is pretty cool. Like, and all of that stuff is, is working pretty well for me. I remain pretty intrigued to see if or how the iPhone app will change. Like they, you know, the Mac app has a very different design now and is built on different techno web technologies, right? It's built on uh, Electron. They haven't done any of this to the iPhone app. They've just made like some changes to make the new features work. And I assume at some point that they're going to randomly drop a Spark 3 for the iPhone like they yeah. did for the Mac, right? Like it mm -hmm. just appears one day. Um, and I'm intrigued to see what that will look like. But, you know, basically where I am now is things, the same things that annoyed me about the app when I spoke about it first still do, but I have come to value the features that they've added I just, and so really I stick by my initial things. I wish they could have just added these features without needing to get all high and mighty about how to do your email, right? And also I wished that they would have waited until the Mac app was ready before they did all of this stuff because, I mean, it's still not ready. Like, it crashes on me a lot. Um, so it's very good that it saves drafts pretty well, you know? <laughs> so it crashes on me a lot. Um but they're adding in the features that I want, but again, they're features that should have always been there. Yeah. Yeah, the, the mismatch of those versions really blows my mind. Yeah, it's very strange. It is very, very strange. I mean, you want your life coaching in your email app on all your devices, you know? That's true. That's true. Give me, give me those inspirational quotes. The last bit of follow-up I have broke as we were recording mm -hmm. uh, in the, the Discord for RelayFM members. Uh, so Jamie Bloomberg is working on a project called The Passionate App, and you can go check it out on GitHub. And it is uh, built in Swift Playgrounds um, using the rickies.net API, which we talked about a few weeks ago that Jason's been working on. And you'll be able to uh, get all of your rickies and... Uh, annual picks and everything uh, all in an app, hopefully in the future. So I'm going to check this out after the show. I didn't want to download it when we we're recording, but I'm very excited about this. So that's coming up soon, right? That The Annie's? Yeah, well, so the Annie's are the annual review. Oh, yeah. Wait, the Annie's is the, is the review of the year. That thing. is also coming up, yeah. though. That is coming up. And then also the annual picks are coming up, right? Yes, both things. Okay. We, it's a, it's okay. a busy time between now and the end of the year. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is going to be cool, so I'm going to be keeping an eye on this and uh, excited to see where it goes. Mm -hmm. So I think that does it for the regular episode this week. Again, we hope you enjoyed what was going to be the, the pro show. Uh, we put that in first for everybody. 
So if you want to hear more about that uh, or that type of thing, give relay.com. That sale runs through the end of the week. You did do a good job there. That was a bad job. I mean, do you want to do it this time? You brought this energy. You brought this energy. You know what I mean? I I was just trying my best, and then you started criticizing me in front of everyone, Mm. you know? So now I'm I'm doing it back. Doing it back. This is where we are. Yes. If you are a member, though, we're going to do a post-show just for you. In the meantime, if you want to find links to stuff we spoke about, head on over to the website at relay.fm slash connected slash 428. While you're there, you can send us feedback via email. And again, you can become a member, giverelay.com, between now and the 17th. Uh, annual plan is 20% off. I'd like thank our sponsors this week. They are Trade Coffee, Capital One, and Bombas. And until next time, Mike, say goodbye. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.